The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome to Intuitive Connections, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. So hello and welcome to Intuitive Connection. Today we have a guest and I'm really, 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 really excited about this one. It is my friend and mentor and repeat guest on this show, Karen Garvey. And Karen, welcome. Hi. Or welcome back. (laughs) Good to be here again. (laughs) I'm so excited to have this conversation. And Karen, for people that haven't listened to the first episode uh, where you were my guest early on, I think like within the first year, our first year, you were a guest. So, you know, I don't know if everyone has gone back that far yet. And if you haven't friends, I really, really suggest that you do because it was one of my favorite, favorite episodes. But can you tell listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, yeah, sure. But and thanks for that a little praise there. I appreciate it. I really do. Okay. Okay. So the, the very short version is that um, I was a person with an MBA that worked in corporate America and everything in my very uncomfortable childhood only aligned with intelligence and analytical reasoning and science. So I had the trauma of childhood, but no spiritual basis for figuring out a solution or a way to um, make life better. Uh, the the big turning point was that on the morning of 9-11, 2001, I got back to my house after a run. I live about an hour from Manhattan and I experienced what was happening there, even though I was so far from the actual place. And when I started to hear the news reports, I knew that uh, the newscasters were not informed, but I knew more than they did. And as the days unfolded, I realized I knew a ton of information that I didn't have any earthly means to know. So it changed my trajectory and it, it changed my understanding of what even being human meant that our consciousness exceeds the limit of being connected or sewn up into our physical bodies alone. Okay. That started a great adventure that I have pursued and I continue. I love how you explain that. And Karen, for those of you, again, who haven't listened to the first episode, was one of my very first teachers in developing my intuition and probably my favorite teacher of all the classes and things that I took. Yours was definitely the most impactful. And I love, I I think about it sometimes, is how much you've developed. A lot of people take the classes, uh, maybe they are using it personally, but to actually go and run with the ball and make a great life and with that being at such an important center of it, that's that's extraordinary. It really is. Oh, thank you. I will rub that in. Yeah. and, And by the time I found you, it was very clear that intuition was the thing that I was supposed to do. Like, I just knew that. I I mean, and we're all supposed to do it. Like we all are supposed to do it. And I don't know how you teach now. I only know how you taught then. 
But the way that I teach now too is, I mean, some people teach intuition development sort of like as a magic trick. And I love magic and I love the magic trick part of it too. And and I know you know, because we've experienced this together, how magical your intuition can be. And even your experience on 9-11, right? I mean, that's mind blowing that you knew what was going on before you turned on the news. Right. And if you've never had an experience like that, it changes yeah, everything. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And there'll still be times when something will come through in a session and it will blow my mind. It will blow my mind. And sometimes my client's mind is blown too. And then sometimes they're not. And I'm like wanting to shake them and say, wait, did you not just see what happened? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because sometimes they assume this stuff is real more than I do, I guess. But, you know, it's <laughs> it's mind blowing. But I also think it's not just about the magic trick, right? For me, Connecting with my intuition is about, is that portal to living a more soul-guided life. I would agree with that. I think sometimes the magic is the lure that gets us excited enough to pursue it. Yeah. The ultimate goal is to get more of that sense of accessing what we knew before we were born and the, the infinite possibilities that come along with that, living more soulfully, living more connected and aligned and all the happiness that that brings. Right. Which is magic too in its own way. In a different kind of way. Yeah. Just sometimes it's a little more subtle or quiet and sometimes it's not. I think the ego wants the magic trick sometimes and wants to say like, oh, I'm such a powerful psychic or intuitive, which is fine. I like that game. I play it sometimes, but (laughs) I I try not to get lost in it and I try not to teach it because it's not the important part. It's not the important part. The important part is learning to hear the whispers of your soul. Right. Yes. You know, I think sometimes the magic, number one, it's it's a lure to help you see that it can be fun. But it also, when the pops happen and you recognize them, it also helps you step up in your self-love that you realize you're worthy of those experiences. So that alone is making you more connected to being your more intuitive self. Ooh, talk more about that. Talk more about the relationship between loving yourself and your intuition. All right. Self-love is the pathway to being able to do anything that it is that you want to do. And it certainly is the pathway to aligning with your soul's intention. And even just saying your soul's intention, that can sound a little heavy, like I'm flawed if I don't, and I'm, it's a win if I do. But your soul's intention is magnificently nuanced and complex. So there's a lot of ways that you can align with it, but it's more about a feeling of being in the skin that you belong in. You're just comfortable. You feel happy. You feel like what you're doing is, is meaningful or good or fulfilling, or you feel passionate about it. But when, when you're still struggling with like very limited self-love or self-esteem or feeling that you're worthy, it's much more difficult to choose the intuitive markers that arise that tell you how to align more readily. You know, obviously we're very um, repetitive. The nature of our brain is to repeat patterns. So when we have certain reactions to stimuli, they're centered upon emotions of everything we've stored within us. So we may keep directing our actions and our focuses to things that make us unhappy rather than make us happy. But when we love ourselves, we begin to remember, not learn, but we remember that we are deserving of happiness. I love that. And you know, we've had a lot of guests on the show that teach around happiness and self-love. But you are the first one that has really brought us back home to that incredible connection between that and our intuition, because this is a podcast about intuition. It's in the title and everything. And so (laughs) I'm really happy because now I know listeners will know why we've had some of the guests that we have had, because those two things, I mean, we've had them because they're amazing people and because 
the message of loving yourself to me and, and living in joy. That's what it's all about anyway. That's what everybody wants, I think, at their core. But anyway, I just, I love how you put those two things together because I don't think anyone's articulated it that way before. So thank you. Well, thank you. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Let's talk a little bit more deeply, and I want to get this from the guide so I get it really, really clear around the power and purpose of loving ourselves. That's how the question comes through. Okay. I have written books from guides from non-physical sources, and the very first one that I wrote, it was a process I was unfamiliar with, but it was so powerful that I succeeded, and my words are not necessarily in there. I didn't change a word that I quote-unquote received. Now, what's interesting is the second book that I received is called Begin Here, How to Connect with Your Love of Self. You know, I was still a little newer at all of this. So obviously, my first question was, guys, if this is Begin Here, why did you give me this book second? And the answer was that the first book gave somebody to sink their teeth into that they felt was relevant and applicable in their life right now. But when you talk about growing self-love, It's this sort of abstract thing that we don't understand the value of it. So it's not necessarily people's first choice in where they're going to pursue spending money or time or focus or anything like that. So listen, here's a, you know, here's a shiny new watch. Oh, and here's loving yourself. Well, you're going to choose the shiny new watch if you want a shiny new watch. So taking the time to channel the first book and then the second, it was because the first one allowed the reader to see the value of the quality of the information that was coming through. So therefore, they would have a springboard to say, well, that one was good. Let me read this one too. It was almost like a trick to get people to read Begin Here. Right. Um, And Begin Here really is about how do we return to the love that we had for ourselves that we were born with and that we have the birthright to retain. You know, life has such a way of, you know, you almost see it as like you throw them in the washing machine and you put in spin cycle and tumble and, you know, other people have access to the controls. You don't have any access to the controls. And then when you come out, you know, you're bruised up, tumbled up mess and your hair doesn't look good. Right. So it's how do I get back to the center of before other people tumbled me around? How do I get back to that sense of it? And it's growing in appreciation of who you are and letting go of that infinitely high bar that we set for ourselves, which is always higher than where we are at this moment, but usually in an unattainable way. And it doesn't matter if you're an artist or an athlete or a mother or a dad or anything, our bar that we tend to set for ourselves leaves us in a perpetual state of failure or not reaching what we believe we should be. So this is about stepping into understanding what we perceive as our own flaws, how they were derived from circumstances that happened before this moment. We didn't create them. We didn't create 
our separation from self-love or the choices that we made as a result of that. So we can let go of guilt and blame and shame and all of the other things that keep us feeling low and unpowerful and unsupported and sometimes even invisible. So that's the key is to develop that platform of regardless of anything that's happened to this second in our lives, finding a way to reframe it to say, I am worthy. I am worthy. I'm worthy of happiness. I love that. And you said so many things in there and there's so many things I want to follow up on. (laughs) But the one thing that pops into my brain first is the way that my guides have shown me things, you know, most notably in my very own life is I think a lot of times humans have this tendency and it makes sense because we're using our brains and our brains are kind of wired this way to solve the problem, quote unquote problem from within the problem, right? And so you've learned that you're not worthy and now you're trying to prove your worthiness with all of the tools that continue to convince you that you're unworthy. (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah. And so a lot of it is learning to let go of that and start to align with your soul, which knew at the start and will always know you know, that you are worthy, that you are lovable, that you are love, that you are deserving, that all of those things. And so I think, you know, the reason why happiness and self-love are such a hard sell is because we're we're looking deeply into this, you know, problem space that tells us we have to fix all of these other things before we yes. can get there. Yes. And those other things have become so much more important yes. than the end goal, which is actually not the end goal at all. It's who and what you already are. Yes. And to continue and piggyback off that, the thing that it is that might be the most um, bothersome to us, like, oh, I really would like to be in a romantic relationship or I, I need more money. You know, if we stay connected to fighting that from the inside out, uh, we don't realize that at the core of those lacks is a lack of self-love. Yeah. It's always going to be at the core of any sense of scarcity. Right. Because at some point, like you said, our early childhood experiences. And this is, I think, true to some degree for everyone, whether you had a rocky childhood, like, you know, some of us might've had, or if it seemed smooth, you know, the way it's always been explained to me is that, you know, up until this moment, the conditioned world does not always reflect back our inner magnificence. And where there are those disconnects, we learn that we're not lovable, right? And it can be little dings and bruises or really big ones, but everyone has some of that conditioning, right? That's exactly right. And then it's not only reinforced by our immediate contacts and the people who raise us and our community and our teachers, but then it's really reinforced by the media. So what we're shown as who we should be is so limited that it it kind of makes us feel perhaps even less worthy. Yeah. And I've talked about this before on the show, but I want to talk about it again because I don't know if we've ever had this conversation or maybe we did. My guys are saying we might have had this conversation in our first interview. So that would be really funny. But um, and that'll be two of us that don't remember that. That will be verifiable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It could be my brain too. Might not be the guides on that one. But anywho, there's so much in the world that speaks to you from lack right? Lack is always the lead. And, you know, even when I was designing my website and I ran into this planning uh, an event with some colleagues too, where they wanted to do things a certain way. And I was like, I can't do it that way. I don't sell from pain points. I don't sell from how to fix your figure flaws 
with these pairs of jeans, right? I want to sell from accentuating the beauty of who and what you already are. Yes. And I remember I've talked about this, but when I was designing my website, I was working with a coach and she kept saying, you know, what are the pain points? You have to start with what's wrong with them, you know? And I was like- you know, where are your people hurting and you're going to solve their problem? And I said, I can't do that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. And I think you and I are uncommon in that. Yeah, but it's the whole society says, you know, we have to find the problem and show people how we're going to fix what's wrong, but there's nothing wrong. I don't want to tell you what's wrong. I don't want to play that game because it's so destructive and it's so unfortunate and it's so unloving and it's so untrue. Yes, I'm in total agreement with you on that. Yeah, You and I might be able to be making millions more dollars just by using people's pain point. And I will never do it, not for a nickel or a million dollars. No, I believe we can make a million dollars speaking to people's beauty and light. Exactly. I release that limiting belief, Karen. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes, yes. Because I think that's ultimately what people want. But I do think it's not everyone who's ready to understand and to get to that place where, okay, I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to let go of this idea that I have to solve the problem by being the problem. And I'm ready to start to experience the solution. And I think it's not everyone on the planet right now that has reached that point. But I think it's a lot of us. Yes, I agree with you. I think it's a lot of us that are really ready to be the solution, which you already are. You already are. And, you know, Abraham Hicks would say, as soon as you identified the problem, you've started to create the solution. The solution is there because that's, I don't know if they would say this, but what I get is because that's who and what you already are. Yes. So I want to talk about the topic. We have been talking about the topic, but I want to talk about more explicitly the topic that popped into my brain before our interview this morning, which was that difference between living in ego and living in soul or living according to your soul. And I think we've been touching on it, but I don't think we've talked about it explicitly. So I'm handing that over to you. How does all this relate to that topic? Okay, yeah. Um, It's funny. A lot of people think that the word ego means, uh, you know, conceit or superiority. But what ego really is, is it's the left brain activities that make us believe that there's an agenda that we need to seek or satisfy in everything that it is we do, everything that we are seeking. and you know, there are some parts of the ego that are necessary and essential. And and two of those are the ability to relate to time and the ability to relate to space. We can't navigate a journey without the ego. It's necessary to be human. You need to have an ego. But where the ego can trip us up and prevent us from having um, the maximum, most expanded life that we have the potentiality to have is that it creates a perpetual set of needs to be satisfied in order to feel some modicum of well-being. Uh, so for example, the ego might say, I have to win, or I have to be better at this than you, or I have to be well-known, or my house has to be cleaner than yours, or my it, there's a lot of comparatives in there that put us on a perpetual set of uh, needing evidence that we have gained something better than someone else in order to just even feel decent about ourselves. And if if anyone ever had an addiction, uh, like gambling, for example, you recognize that whatever it is you're receiving, the escape or the high or the rush from the addiction, it's an addiction because it never goes away. It is perpetual. And the stakes get higher and higher as the place where you are in that addiction becomes normalized. And the ego operates in the same way. 
So for example, if today I wanted, you know, a teacher to read my essay out loud, and then tomorrow I want to win the, you know, first female award in high school for having been a spokesperson for such and such, then what am, what am I going to need at 30 or 40 or 50? You know, and most areas of focus in our world have these awards to achieve, whether it's a golden globe or, you know, it's some kind of sports trophy. We're actually set up to believe that that's the important gain or aim. And if we don't succeed at that, we're falling short. So the ego-driven life is one that will keep us in perpetual motion and never having full satisfaction because we'll keep needing to reach that level again to feel good or new heights to feel better. Uh, And when we are working only in the ego, we sometimes can't discern the difference between um, the good for us, the good for the planet, and the good for others. It becomes so much more self-focused and individualistic. And when when we are in pursuit of any goal without at the center of the heart of our being care or honor and respect for others and for ourselves and for the planet and the universe in general, uh, we will not be able to create lasting happiness for ourselves or for anyone else. So uh, th- this is where we find ourselves in positions of you know, being greedy or hurtful or um, not staying attuned to what's right for the people that I am working with or for. And, and if you think about every major disharmony on this planet, they are all stemming from that ego. Uh, it's it's interesting. I don't like to you know discuss this too much because it does sound negative, but it's just an interesting way of looking at it. Is that you know oftentimes when I'm not in the United States, uh, I find myself nourished more by foods in other countries. And what I recognize is that, and and this is again, it's not to make us feel angry; it's to make us understand the ego. But I recognize that in corporations around the globe, they're often still centered around what's good for my customer is good for me. And to work toward profit, I want my my customers, my employees, and us to all have wins in this. Um, where the United States has uh, sometimes veered toward, you know, aligning only with profits or aligning with the, you know, shareholders' interests. And when we center that, which is ego-driven, what happens is we are not necessarily aligning with what's best for our employees and what's best for our customers. So it's actually changed our food supply. And so if you want a really big example of how the ego is not the place to live, we're not even nourishing our bodies when we live in the ego, let alone our soul and our mind and our being and our planet. Okay. So that's like the ultimate really big example. Yeah, no, I think that's a beautiful example. And as you talk, again, I get this image of the way I've always understood the ego is it gives us that illusory sense of self, Yes, which we need. Because when we're here, we are not part of all that is. We are a unique perspective and you know we're, we're here to hold a unique personality. And that's part of the game. Yes. And also the guides are prompting me to say there's a collective going on there too, right? You're you're here to participate in this collective reality that we're all co-creating at the same time. And so you need the ego for that piece too. You know, it's it's what you've learned how to be part of this human, you know, I'm using quote unquote world or reality. 
But the deal is we often get lost in it and we get so deeply lost in it that we get disconnected sometimes from everything that's right and good and truly brings us joy. And, you know, the deeper you are in the illusion, the more you're, you know, in a locked little dark closet walking around in circles, having no idea that out there the sun is shining, right? Yeah. And so from this kind of way of looking at it, it's almost like understanding, you know, the way that I always see living in spirit, living in soul more is when you start to see the ego for what it is, you don't put it down, you don't disown it, or you you just recognize it's not the truth. And then the light starts to shine in and you start to use it as the tool I think it was always meant to be. That's a very, very, very good way of putting it. Exactly. And it's not to say that everything about the ego is wrong, because that's not any more true than that it's all right. Uh, but yes, it's about seeing it as what it is and to move toward a knowingness of the value of the individual, the value of you and the value of the collective, the value of all that is. One of the, my favorite expressions I've ever gotten from guides is that, and it takes a long time to actually let this sink in and to think about it, but you are as important as everything and everything is as important as you. And it sounds like, how could that possibly be true? It's, it's you know, it's an oxymoron and it is true. It's true in every sense of it. You are as important as everything and everything is as important as you. Yeah. And that takes you out of the ego and into a soulful space. Immediately. Yeah, I know a lot of like spiritual teachings or religions teach about our insignificance and that will not get you farther away from the ego any more than managing our significance. So it's neither extreme. We are as important as everything and everything is as important as us. Because we are everything and we are us at the same time. We are everything. We are an extension of everything. Right. Yeah. When you recognize your own divinity, then you you also intuitively know your interconnectedness, right? It's just both become true. There's not an either or anymore. Yeah. I remember when I started, you probably heard this too when you were starting on this part of your journey, but I used to hear, we are but a drop in the ocean. And everybody was like, yeah, we're just a drop in the ocean. We are we are one. We are all connected. And I would hear that and I'd be like running. I'm like, that's horrible. I, I want to think I'm more important than being a drop in the ocean. I feel so invisible and insignificant, right? But you're also the ocean. Yes. And the, <laughs> and the idea is that you know, we have two eyes and through those eyes, we have a lens of perspective that comes from our individual consciousness and that matters. Does a drop in the ocean know itself? I don't know, but we do. And we have the capability of knowing ourselves and adding to the beauty of this world, our perspective, our energy, our individuality, our awesomeness. I also think, and this is a little bit of a topic change, but not really, when you talked back about different religions and what they teach, I think some of it is balancing. I think that, you know, whatever the predominant direction was at the time, I think a lot of the religious teachings are just balancing. You're going too far this way, come over here. You're going too far that way, come over here. But the center is where the truth lies. And I think we're in a time now where we don't, again, we don't need to learn so much through the illusion. We learn by breaking through the illusion. And I think that's just where we are in time more. More and more people are ready to take that step back and understand, you know, the what they're showing me is rather than learning through the swings of the pendulum, we're learning to just be in the center in the now. 
I agree. And that's something I'll talk about and with audiences and clients all the time is that there's always going to be extremes of everything and it's finding what you align with. Not every extreme is necessarily bad if it matches you. Like if you are extremely introverted, it's not to judge it. Now, but some of those extremes, like you're talking about, you know, being sacrificial as in order to be a good person or making a lot of money in order to be a good person, but taking care of yourself and your needs, either one of those extremes will not necessarily bring you to a path of happiness. They can't because they're not balanced. Finding that space in the middle. Yeah. And I often teach like with self-love and honoring and caring for yourself because a lot of my clients skew towards the sacrifice side of the equation. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And again, it's who your students are and and where they're at in this beautiful game of life. But the way that I always understand it is that when we're aligned, and I want to talk a little bit more about that, when we're aligned, when we're living in soul, when you are doing what is truly right for you on the highest sense, you can't harm anybody else. But that's a very different thing than making choices based in scarcity, based in ego, which necessarily says, if I do this for me, it's going to hurt you, right? If you have that belief system and you're operating in that belief system, then you may be causing harm. When you're really listening to the highest longings of your soul, it is my belief, I've been told this again and again, you cannot go wrong. You cannot harm another human being. And if your action in some way makes their ego disgruntled, it's exactly what they need, as long as you're really, truly aligned. And that's the highest form of compassion, which is, I know, a word that you don't love. But <laughs> Well, I, I like it as a stepping point. I just don't <laughs> like it as a finishing point. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Yeah. And, and you're right. You're completely right in what you just said. Yes, I agree. So I want to talk a little bit, just for listeners, what does it feel like? What does it look like to live more in alignment, more in soul? And those are the words that I'm using. You may have different ones. So feel free to uh, modify if needed. Uh, No, I think those are great words. I like those words a lot. What it means is that we are motivated by a sense of curiosity and wonder and awe and interest and passion and joy instead of being motivated by moving away from pain or being motivated by helping others move away from pain, or not being motivated by only materialistic pursuit as the be-all, end-all. So what's interesting is the byproduct of following that soulfully driven sense of directors is you do become more able to contribute things that can be beneficial for other people. It's when when we're not aligned with the soul that we have to struggle more to be able to have enough for ourselves and anything left over to give to anyone else. And it doesn't matter whether it's time or money or love or gifts or food or anything. But the struggle comes from when we are living in ego, we believe that all energy is finite to some extent. There's only so much food on the planet or there's only so much money. And if you have more or a bigger piece of that pie, if your forever me is prettier than mine or more intelligent than mine, now you had a bigger win than me and, I, and there's only less available to me. So it's it's not a competition. It's to say that when you expand into something that aligns you more soulfully with what it is that you choose, then the circle itself expands. You haven't taken a slice out and left less for others, right? No. And that's that's the key. Soulfulness allows growth to beget growth and expansion begets expansion and abundance grows abundance. 
where ego does the opposite. It lives as though there is a pie that will be sliced up. And when, you know, whoever can get the biggest slice wins. Right. That was beautifully put. And I think too, you know, expansion is the truth. That's what we're doing all the time. That's why we're here. And I think the more that we live according to what is, how do I say this? What is ultimately true? That's not the words that I want, but that's the best I can get. The more we live in that space, you know, the more joyous and beautiful life can be. But you said something else that I really want to go back to. You started to talk about some qualities of soulfulness that got yours truly excited. You talked about curiosity. You talked about joy. I feel that when we are living from that place, you won't care so much about how big your house is versus your neighbor's house or what you've accomplished. And when you do have those accomplishments, you'll understand them as just passing fancies. They're beautiful. Yes. They're wonderful, but they're not who and what you are. Yes. When you don't hang all your, you know, a lot of times my guides have been saying, because I've been on this whirlwind journey and they keep telling me again and again, this little message, like, enjoy the process. Enjoy the product too. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the products as they come along, as you create something. It's so exciting to see some of the things that I've created over the last, you know, 12 to 24 months. And you've been on that journey with me. So you've seen them too. Yeah, totally. But, and and there's no, but it's been really, really, really amazing and fun and beautiful. Yeah. And from the outside in, it looks like instantaneous manifestation. That's how grand it's been. It's felt like that sometimes. But at the same time, it's the process that's so joyous. It's the process. It's the curiosity. It's the excitement. It's the listening to my intuition and following that. It's the joy that I feel in living those moments, right? When it's all flowing and even when it's not, because it has not always been flowing. That's, you know, I think the ego wants to get hung up on that product and find validation there. Yeah. And I think it's the process that's really so beautiful and joyful. And and there's nothing wrong with what you create, but whatever you create, it's going to be fleeting because that's what creations are. Yeah. And so we don't cling to them. We just know we're always creating something new, something more, something we're just, we're in that process. I don't know if what I said made any sense, but I'll put it back (laughs) over to you. Yeah, of course it does. Of course it does. Another way to like state it, what we're talking about, you know, following those really cool, I don't know, temptations, temptation is not the greatest word, but we're born here naked, right? So I always see it as we have an invisible backpack and that backpack is jam full with stuff that'll help us remember what we knew before we were born. I also see us having like a pre-launch party where guides like throw as much in that backpack as they can for us individually, for our own individual expansion. But in the meantime, one that we can all be certain that we have within that backpack is as simple as curiosity. If you are trained or train yourself to just completely follow your curiosity and see where it leads, you're going to find that you're leading yourself into places that are going to make you happier. And even if you follow curiosity to a point where um, it feels as though it's a dead end, it's actually not a dead end because as soon as you hit a T in the road, you got to go one way or the other, right? So you make the turn left or right, and you'll find new things to be curious about. I always think of this example of, I did a session with a young man who, I don't remember the name of his science, but he studies insects, okay? And when he was talking about a certain insect, and I won't say bug in front of him, so I will never say bug, but when he was studying (laughs) and talking about an insect, I mean, like the world lit up from the inside, 
And it was so clear that this man was completely aligned with a soul's intention of his and the joy that he was bringing with his understanding of the insect community. And if he had, you know, done what his mom or dad had told him to do, which was become a doctor, he would never be feeling this level of joy. So he veered out of that one branch of science and went into a branch of science that aligned him, but he gave himself permission to do it. And if we each do that on the planet, there's so much variety here where we can explore and expand within it that we can all be abundantly flowing and abundantly flowing in happiness. And it it does take the ego out of a lot, right? It takes a, a lot of that away because we realize that there's value in what can he contribute to the knowledge that we have as human beings because of the study of insects? And what can someone who is you know, got this imaginative, creative eye and is using paints and painting canvases, what are they contributing? You know, what is someone who is an incredible athlete and knows how to tune out the boos and the naysayers and get in there and crack that ball? Like, what are they all contributing? They're all contributing in alignment with their curiosity, their passion, their interest, their focus. And the byproduct is the beautiful thing that that it is that they're doing, whatever that might be, the beautiful thing that it is that they're doing. I love that. I think your curiosity is part of that GPS system, that spiritual GPS system. Yes, exactly. And I also think your curiosity is what brought you here. I remember early in my journey. Oh, no doubt. True story, cursing my curiosity because on some level I knew that everything I experienced stemmed for, and I wasn't obviously at peace with all of my experiences, stemmed from a curiosity that my soul had to be here to explore that. And, you know, From the soul's perspective, what I've been shown, because I've had some interesting experiences as of late where, you know, my human self has been really loud in its discomfort. And then my soul has come in and and shown me, wow, it's having a a way different experience. Um, And they're starting to blend more now, which is such a beautiful and welcomed thing. That's great. It is a great thing. You have no idea. You probably do have some idea. But it's that curiosity. I mean, it's what brought us here. And it's what continues to drive us. And it's also another thing that we've been taught not to listen to. Yes. And that's been running through my mind since we've been speaking is that we're taught not to listen to it. And if no one else is telling us that we can, we have to give ourselves permission to say that we can. Yeah. Yeah. And then do it. Don't feel guilty about it. Just follow it and follow it and follow it and see where it leads you. Yeah, there's nothing to prove to anyone. If you go on a hike and you, you know, follow the path of the ferns, you don't have to come back and tell anyone what the ferns brought to you. It's it's an inner conversation just as well as it may lead to an, you know, something more externally driven. And to get the reward from those curiosities and how they make you feel on the inside. With social media, sometimes it's a little bit harder to see how we're actually feeling about our human experiences as simple as they are. If you're walking in the forest and you're watching day after day a fern unfurl, it's magnificent. But now if I have to go into that forest and over consecutive 10 days, take a photo and post it on Insta to watch it unfurl, then is the experience really about me then? It might not be. Um, so it's it's still, it's about figuring out what's the difference between what's external and what's internal and just experiencing joy for yourself in the moment and whatever else comes great, but that is enough in itself. Wow. What you said was so powerful. It just gave me a little shiver. It's around really learning what, what drives you as opposed to what you want to document, what you want to share, what you think gives you worth and value, what you think is important, 
what you even think is purposeful because people yes. will come. I want to find my purpose. And the purpose is still so ensconced in ego, right? And this yes. idea about myself and this idea about what I should do. Whereas curiosity is neutral. Curiosity is just driven by joy. It's just driven yes. by joy and it's purposeless yes. and it's purposefulness. I like that in the beginning, the guides took the word of wonderful and it's a, it's kind of an overused, undervalued word. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. That's wonderful. This is wonderful. But if you really take it down to its core, it's full of wonder. And when you live full of wonder, then everything about your life becomes more wonderful. And so it's a word I happen to like. And when when you are foregoing the ego, you actually become much more aligned with wonder. The wonder of it all, the wonder of it all, the magic of, of everything, the magic of it all, the wonder of it all. I love that. I love, love, love that. All right. We've been talking for a really long time, even though it doesn't feel like it at all. And I don't want to stop. No, it doesn't feel like it. But I, I know I'll be able to sneak you back here again sometime, but I want to start to wrap up. I see in the background, is that cactus blossom that is on your screen behind Oh, it does kind of resemble it, doesn't is it? it? It's oh, not. It looks funny. I've been no. looking at it the whole time. It is Oh, not. how interesting. It does look like cactus it looks blossom. Exactly. I never realized that. <laughs> No, it's actually not. It's a screensaver that's been up there of a house that I think is pretty. <laughs> Long before I probably even met you. <laughs> that's really funny. Well, it looks like cactus blossom in the background. And one of the cool things that is happening soon, and again, this is, I know, evergreen content. So some of you are going to be hearing this way after it happens, but some of you may not. So I want to put it out there is that you're going to come and be one of our very first speaker guest teachers at Cactus Blossom this coming March. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm so excited for that. Yes, March 23rd through the 26th, I will be at Cactus Blossom giving a multi-day seminar about a concept that I'm calling imaginism, which is to use the the mind and the body and your being and and igniting it with your imagination to expand into anything that it is that you want to be or to create. Oh my gosh, I love that. Now I'm even more excited than I was before I asked it because I just got <laughs> all the information, but I didn't know what imaginism was supposed to mean. And I think it dovetails very nicely with what we've been talking about today. I think it does. Yay. I like that. So if you guys are local or not so local or hearing this in time, you can check that out for sure. And it'll be in the show notes. It's on victoriashawintuitive.com. It's on Karen's website, which is karengarvey.com. Okay. That's easy too. And it's also on Cactus Blossom's website, which is cactusblossomretreat.com. So, so many places to find that information to find Karen, which I'm going to give you a chance at the end too, to tell people more about how to work with you. But before we do that, I ask everyone on the show a signature question, which you have already been asked. Um, but now that we've started to have some repeat guests, I have a, a slightly new and different one. So in the last episode, I asked you how you experience your intuition. Okay. In this episode, I would like to ask you, how has your intuition evolved and grown over time? Oh, that's that's an easy one. It's moved from helping me with the beginning stages of realizing that I have worth to enjoying being who I am to enjoying being who I am so much that there's an overflow of all sorts of abundance that's available for other people to enjoy too. 
So it's moving through those three stages. I love that so much. Yeah. Karen, if people want to find you, if they want to work with you, what does that look like? What do you offer? And you can tell them again how to find you, even though we just told them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah. My website is karengarvey.com. That's K-A-R-E-N-G-A-R-V-E-Y. And um, you can also friend me on Facebook because I put a new quote up there nearly every day from your guides, my guides, our guides, Victoria's guides. Yeah. I also have a program called Happy in 90, which you can check out, which really compiles the path to me personally having become a happy person from having been one that I would not identify as having been happy. So those are some ways. And I work with audiences and individuals in whatever way they feel fits their interest and their budgets individually or collectively. And I do have um, an online intuition development class each month. So that one's available to people wherever they live. And that's the second Monday of each month. And like you were talking about, like, what is intuition? I call it intuition development, but it really is sort of more of a, like, we just expand together. We just become more enlightened and more happy together. And intuition is one of the tools that we use to do that. So. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel for me, intuition is, it's one of the many hooks to get my audience's attention, but it's also, it's just the piece of the puzzle of of learning to be who you really are. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. And you guys will want to check out Karen's stuff. I can personally vouch for what a powerful, potent, and amazing and inspiring teacher that she is. So I hope that you will all check that out. Karen, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It was great. It was great talking to you again today. I love it. It's always fun and I'm so grateful. And I know too, you've agreed to um, come back and do a live with us the week that this goes live. (laughs) Did you agree? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I don't know that I did, but if my higher self did and you got that that answer first. I'm okay with that because I'm I'm in also. But anyway, <laughs> now that she just agreed. So if you're a member of the Facebook community, Intuitive Connection community, join us over there because we'll do a little live. And the last time we did it, it was so much fun. Um, so I hope you'll join us this week and, and check that out. And if you like the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple or whatever podcast platform you listen to. It helps get more eyeballs on the show. But whatever you do, I'm so grateful to you for being here and letting me do what I love to do. And so have a wonderful day and namaste. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. If you'd like to learn more and connect with an amazing group of like-minded souls, please join us over on Facebook in the Intuitive Connection Community Facebook group, where we explore these topics in deeper detail, have additional live teachings, and host Facebook Lives with our amazing guests. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you want to learn more about me or the work that I do, please check out my webpage, victoriashawintuitive.com. Thank you so much again and namaste. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders 
to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.